0: the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you wanna donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show, and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business, you want me to talk about it, I want you to sponsor my show. For $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you wanna hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the people's podcast. This is JSC Radio. Rather than the players boycotting, how about we all do what we can to force the NCAA to ultimately have a players' association, a student-athlete association representing the interest of the players. If it happens in professional sports, why can't it happen in collegiate sports? Now, Usari was incredibly widely respected in the basketball world. His name was even floated as a possible future NBA commissioner. Does that make you worried or concerned as to how pervasive these type of issues may be across the sports world? Yeah, I, I don't know who knew what, but as you say, I mean, this is a figure who was in his early 30s and commissioner of the CBA. He had a very high ranking job at Nike.
1: He was the Maverick CEO for, you know, since the late 90s. This is someone that David Stern
0: called a protege at one point. Um, you know, I, again, I, I don't know who knew what, but it did seem like there was a pattern here. This wasn't an isolated incident.
1: But, you know, it does say that if you've maintained this culture for as long as you have, you probably have bigger issues that just an independent outside law firm and a hotline are going to fix. Bottom line, you know, companies need to realize that you need to take out the trash before it takes you out. Check
0: it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, hey now! My name is J. Scott Smith, and this is the 68th episode of the People's Podcast. This is J.S.C. Radio. Hey now! Welcome once again, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. As we enter the month of March, the first show of the month of March, as we creep up on the two-year anniversary of the People's Podcast. That's right, damn it. We're getting closer and closer to the end of the second season of this thing. Yes, this the, I have broken it up into seasons. I haven't mentioned it in a while, but it has been broken up into seasons. Season two is on its way out. Season three is on its way in as we're getting close to the two year anniversary of this show. I had no idea that two years after I started this thing kind of on a whim, that this would become what it is. I want to shout out everybody who, of course, shows love to the show on Twitter at JSC Radio. You can also, of course, get updates on JSC TV, which is on RVNTV.tv every Saturday morning at around 11:30 a.m. Yeah, that's right. You get to see me on camera. Plus, of course, you want to follow me. Follow me on Twitter at J Scott Smith. That's J A Y S C O two T's S M I T H. I am verified. On Twitter, I am also on Facebook at Real J. Scott Smith. You guessed it. I am on Instagram at J. Scott Smith, so be sure to follow me on there. You're going to start getting more and more stuff from me on the Grizzam as well. And, of course, you can follow the show on the mothership. That's J. Scott Smith. Com. I also want to thank each and every one of y'all who tunes into the show. Whether you're on SoundCloud, that's SoundCloud.com slash JSC Radio. Whether you're listening on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play, or TuneIn Radio. Yes, I'm new to the TuneIn. I'm on TuneIn Radio as well, also on Stitcher. All you got to do is put the name of this show in, JSC Radio, hit the subscribe button, and I'm automatically right in your phone or your iPad or on your computer, wherever you might want to subscribe to podcasts. I'll show up right there. Just search JSC Radio, and I am in there. Well, damn it. Episode 68. And as you heard there in the intro, we're hitting heavy on the basketball. We've entered the month of March. The conference tournaments are starting up this weekend, including the Big Ten tournament, which along the way I'll talk about how stupid it is that the Big Ten tournament is going on now as opposed to next week with the rest of the big time tournaments. But I'll leave that alone. But we're into the biggest month of the year for basketball truthfully i mean yes the nba playoffs are a big deal but the biggest single basketball centered month of the damn year is upon us and it is rife with scandals it is rife with just bad behavior and it's also driving up the same old arguments that we've had over and over again particularly about college basketball and i somewhat brought this up on jsc tv last week but now i can kind of get a little bit more in depth and a little bit more detail in on this bad boy because let's just keep it real. The last time I talked to y'all about college sports, obviously, was dealing with MSU, my alma mater, Michigan State University, full disclosure. And the issue that we were talking about at the time was how the university essentially was covering up for Nasser and created this culture of covering up and shaming victims of sexual assault, basically tamping down the stories of women who came out against Nasser. And it went all the way to the top. It went up to the U.S. Olympic Committee. It went up to USA Gymnastics. Everybody pretty much should have just been blown the hell out of there. As you know, I was recording the evening that Luanna K. Simon, the now former president of the university, resigned. Mark Hollis, the athletic director, resigned. The board of trustees, all of them should have resigned, but they're still there. Dr. Strample got fired. Finally, they finally removed him. And so many of the people associated with that gymnastics program have basically come under fire or they've resigned or they're trying to run from the law. It's finally happened. But the the sad thing is, is that that's only one part of the big mess that is not only college sports in general, but all sorts of organized sports throughout this country. But one of the biggest problems that we have in college sports right now is money. Because that's what the whole Nasser thing was about, in a nutshell. They were willing to basically forfeit the innocence of these young girls in order for prestige and money and shine. Kind of messed up, isn't it? But that's the way that this country kind of rolls these days. Just look at who's in office. So when you look at this shit and you try to find some sort of reasoning behind it, it's about the money. You follow the money. The sad thing is a lot of this money, in fact, all of the mo- out of all of the money, none of it is actually going to the ones who are out there making you the money, the athletes, particularly, of course, the two biggest of money sports, men's basketball and football. And yes, to a lesser extent, in a lot of cases, hockey, depending on what part of the country you're in. But these are the big money, big name sports. And these players have not been paid. They've never been paid. And it's created this culture, this almost underbelly, underground, handshake, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, amateurism that the NCAA has prided itself on as if this is still the 1920s. It's not. It's 2008. It's damn near 2020. But we're still living in this antiquated idea that. You can't pay players, and it's about the amateurism, and oh, the love of the game, and oh, if you pay players, let's just stop. I'm making a wanking motion that you can't see. Let's just stop. Let's just stop right now. Yahoo has been going through this amazing, uh, just, it's it's an amazing investigative piece. It's the type of piece where journalism nerds like me just love this sort of shit, where They've undergone this full investigation. It's gone on for more than a year. It's involved major programs, and it deals with the FBI basically investigating what would be numerous violations all tied to agents. This is college basketball. We haven't even gotten into college football. And you guys have heard about this. I'm going to read from the Yahoo piece. Yahoo Sports viewed hundreds of pages of documents from the years-long probe that had federal authorities monitoring multiple targets and intercepting more than 4,000 calls across 330 days, damn near a full year, providing a clear-eyed view into the pervasive nature of the game's underground economy. Why is there an underground economy in the NCAA? Because the the players don't get paid. The one group of people, the ones who are responsible for the multi-billion, with a B, billion dollar TV deals. With the multi-billion dollar apparel deals. With the multi-billions of dollars just coursing through the charged up veins of every major conference and every major university in this country. The documents tie some of the biggest names and programs in the sport to activity that appears to violate the NCAA's amateurism rules. This could end up casting a pall over the NCAA tournament because of eligibility issues. There's potential impermissible benefits, impermissible benefits, excuse me, and preferential treatment for players and families of players at Duke, North Carolina, Texas, Kentucky, USC, that's Southern California, University of Alabama, basketball. And Michigan State University. You've heard about this the last few days. The documents link some of the sport's biggest current stars, including Duke's Wendell Carter, Alabama's Colin Sexton, and yes, MSU's Miles Bridges, to specific extra benefits for either the athletes or their family members. The amounts tied to the players range from basic meals to tens of thousands of dollars. Now, let me let me get write down to the brass tacks here. This is bullshit, okay? This is bullshit. No, not the story, the culture that has created this. And this is, yes, if you're going to be offended by this, you might be somebody listening back home in Michigan or somebody listening who works in the radio biz and, and, you see, and, and you're an MSU alum. I don't care if you get offended by me saying this, If you're one of these people, and I'm tying this not only to this, but to the ESPN Outside the Lines piece and all the other investigative pieces that just happen to have entangled Michigan State, if you're one of these people who's out here going through the ESPN story with a fine tooth comb and you're chasing down and chasing after the the writers of the stories or you're getting on your radio station or getting on your blog or getting on your podcast and saying that oh the media is out to get him as you there's no real journalists anymore they don't have any ethics they're trying to take us down man the media is trying to trying to take down Tom Izzo and the media is trying to take down Antonio. why does the media? Have have it out for Tom Izzo. Why are they trying to get his head? Why are they out for Mark D'Antonio? I tell you to grow up. Grow up. It's one thing if you really want to talk about this as an adult. It's another thing if you want to sit here and do the easy button routine to rile up a bunch of your idiot listeners and a bunch of you guys who don't really know too much about the actual ins and outs of details. I especially look at those of you who've been in newsrooms before and know how newsrooms work and know how to get stories and do interviews. If you are one of these people out here insisting that the media is creating this whole thing, you're out to get Tom Izzo, you're out to get MSU, you're out to take MSU down and you have this vendetta against MSU, I'm going to call you lazy, and I'm not going to take with anything else you have to say seriously. Grow up. Grow up. It's business. Do I think that Tom Izzo, in the 22 years he has been the head coach at MSU, or in the decade plus prior to that, was a part of a program where players got money under the table to come there? Do I believe that Tom Izzo has presided over an MSU basketball program that has had players take money under the table to get there, my answer is an unequivocal yes. Do I believe Mark D'Antonio, in the decade-plus he's been at MSU, which has had its fair amount of ups and downs, do I believe that he's presided over a program, or maybe not he directly, but someone under his care, under his auspices as a coach or an administrator or a booster, has tried to slide some money to a recruit or a current player? Yes. I full-on 100% believe it. Absolutely. But I also think Jim Harbaugh is doing the same thing. I think John Beeline's doing the same thing. I think Wisconsin's doing the same thing. We know Ohio State was. I think they're doing it at Iowa. I think they're doing it in Indiana. I think they're doing it at Minnesota. I think they're doing it at Nebraska. I think they're doing it at Florida and Texas. I think they're doing it at Auburn and Alabama. I think they're doing it at LSU and USC and UCLA and Washington and Oregon and Oregon State. I think every single program does it. All of them. It's just to varying degrees. There's basically a tier system in all this. One to five. With one being the lowest, cleanest tier. And five being a goddamn cesspool. Tom Izzo is down there on tier one. Because I don't think it's gone on pervasively throughout his program's entire tenure. But do I think in the last seven to ten to twelve years that that shit's gone on East Lansing? Absolutely. Especially... In the last seven, eight years, when MSU was always a really good program, but couldn't quite get over the hump, while these other programs were just magically rising up and going on Final Four runs and winning national championships. Yes, I absolutely think he's but he's presided over it. Do I think he's done it himself? No, but I know somebody in that program is, and I'm not I'm not mad at it because that's every single program. And for anybody to think that there's any coach in college basketball or football or hockey or whatever that is clean in 2018, my God, you're naive. They all do it. And in fact, I applaud it. I want to see it more often because I'm not mad at the coaches per se. There are some programs like Louisville, for example. Yeah, Louisville's up there on tier five. They, they, when when you get a national championship stripped, you're up there around tier five. When you're out here filling up your locker room with strippers and and hooking up recruits with sex, yeah, that's going to move you a little higher up the list. Guys like John Calipari are in his own tier because he's been able to ruin multiple programs with his horse shit. Funny enough that Calipari actually had something to say about this that I'll that I'll get around to in a second, but... There are programs that are that are as clean as you're going to get, like Michigan State, and then there are programs that are kind of in the middle, like say OSU, and then there are people like Dave Bliss and Joe Paterno, and and, and guys like that, Art Briles, in that category. Calipari, Rick Pitino, the, the, those are the ones that I put up in a much higher tier. But it's happening everywhere, and this story that broke from Yahoo, just exemplifies what's going on, the lengths that these teams will go, the risks that they will take to win when the system is the thing that needs to be fixed. Now, if you've got guys like the Arizona head coach putting up a 100 grand, putting up a 100 stacks to get a damn recruit, yeah, that's not smart. That's not smart. That looks bad. You're probably gonna have to pay the price for that. But if Miles Bridges' mother is out here having lunch with some agent, and they spend 40 bucks. I don't think that should be something that could cost a kid his damn eligibility. I'm sorry, I don't think that's a big deal. And yes, that's exactly what the f*** happened. Michigan State said Monday that their leading scorer, Miles Bridges, paid $40 to a charity of his choice to resolve an NCAA violation uncovered in a university conducted review of allegations made in documents public last week published last week by Yahoo Sports getting tongue tied here the documents related to the FBI's investigation of corruption in college basketball revolve around Christian Dawkins a former employee of NBA agent Andy Miller he filed expense reports claiming that he paid Bridges' mother $400 in cash and that he paid $70.05, because that nickel is very important, especially to the NCAA, because they will nickel and dime the hell out of you, for a dinner with the Bridges family. Michigan State said Monday that he conducted an internal investigation on Friday and determined the allegations related to the loan were not true. Interesting. Bridges said Sunday that neither he nor any member of his family ever took money from Dawkins. The school said Monday that while investigating those claims last week, it discovered that the Bridges family members had dinner with an agent last winter without his knowledge, which is an NCAA violation. So let, let's let make this pretty clear. Even though apparently they claim the dinner with the other agent is not true. And you've got to be very careful because if this dude's got receipts saying it is, this could be putting a potential national championship in peril because of one damn player. They happen to turn up that another agent was kicking it with the family. And somewhere along the way, forty bucks was spent, and they had to pay it back. Or check that he had to pay it back. How stupid is this? Forty bucks for food, forty bucks for a lunch or a dinner. Why? I've never understood this. I didn't understand it when I was a kid. I don't understand it now, and I'm almost forty. Why the f- can't these people can't these kids? have somebody pay for their food. I've heard of way too many stories of college basketball players getting popped for violations because they can't as much as get a pizza bought for them by another coach or have a pizza bought for them by someone else or you can't have groceries paid for because that's a violation. What the, man? I bristle when I hear pro athletes claim that they're treated like slaves because that's BS. You can do whatever the hell you want. You're a college athlete. You really are signing up for some form of indentured servitude. You can't as much as get a job. You can't take any sort of money even if it's just to help you pay for laundry. You can't go out here and have dinner apparently with anybody because that could be a potential violation. You can't make money off your likeness. You can't make money off your signature. You can't make money off your name. Any time, pretty much anybody can make money off of you except you and that's bullshit. And no, it's not just me being a partial Spartan. I was calling it bullshit when Chris Weber was talking about it years and years and years ago when he walks past a store in Ann Arbor that has his University of Michigan jersey hanging in the window with the Michigan and the four right on the front. And he noted to Mitch Albom, I think it was, that when that jersey sells, does he get a cut of it? Nope. Does he get any sort of check from that? Nope you're literally playing for the love of the game it's essentially the bullshit that news companies run to you we're running to freelancers it's like that shit that ebony magazine and others has run to freelancers all these years that we're paying you an exposure You should be grateful. You haven't had exposure till you're here. We'll get you exposure because yes, on the first of the month, this company that I got to pay money to for rent, they'll just accept rent and exposure. Oh my God, you know, I was really struggling, but I got some of this exposure and now I was able to go buy groceries. God damn it, I'm coming up close to having to pay off my car note. I hope Ford Motor Credit accepts exposure. And don't come up in this Humpty Bumpty talking that free education nonsense. Oh, but they get paid. They're getting They're getting paid in a free education. They get a free education. That not that worth something? What about the education? How many of these motherfuckers have you seen go more than two years at these schools? And at some point, they can come back. But let's just cut the BS. As LeBron James, someone who did not go to college, but is smarter beyond his years, happened to say, quote, I don't know all the rules and regulations about it, but I do know what five-star athletes bring to a campus, both in basketball and football. I know how much these college coaches get paid. Go go, wander on over and take a look at how much money Jim Harbaugh is making at Michigan, for example, or Nick Saban is making at Alabama. I know how much these college ga- colleges are gaining off of these kids. I've always heard the narrative that they get a free education but you guys aren't bringing me onto this campus to get an education. You're bringing me on it to help you get to the final four or to a national championship free education but they they i saw one thing earlier this week on twitter but they get paid in free clothes they get free clothes and shoes average students don't get that they get paid in clothes and in shoes and they get paid in in a free education and they get paid in food well well goddamn why don't we just pay them in gum would you mind if i paid you in gum
1: that's when you tried in layers gum with layers of flavors of course you can pay me in gum
0: I'd be crazy not to get paid in Trident Layers. We weren't allowed to delicious strawberry with tasty citrus. Mm. I love Trident Layers. Yeah. No one ever pays me in gum. Because basically, that's the argument that you simpletons are making. You, th- you guys really think that being an athlete on campus, while yes, it has its perks, the one perk it doesn't get you is when the coach is able to make millions of dollars off of coaching you guys, off of your labor, off of your victories, off of everything you did. That coach and his staff is getting paid buku bucks off of you. The arena that you play in, whether it's the Breslin Center or Chrysler Arena or Carver Hawkeye Arena or any other, or the Wells Fargo Center not far from here or anywhere else, they're getting paid the rent money to have you in there. Whether it's the concessions that's getting paid to have all those fans come in there and make money. The apparel companies are making money. Great, you get to have a free tracksuit. Guess what, bitch? I'm the one who got paid for it. You ain't getting a penny. And don't you dare demand it because hashtag amateurism. A lot of these simpleton college students who actually think that these players are having it on easy street sound like the poor bastard at the end of that commercial talking about, I wish I got paid in gum. No one ever pays me in gum. No, you don't. All you guys think that an education or free clothes or free shoes is better than in lieu of money. Okay, then how about I tell whoever you work for, don't pay them in actual cash money. Pay them in clothes because they think that seems to be the equivalent. Pay them in school because apparently that's the equivalent. Get the guy out of here. When guys like John Calipari... One of the biggest offenders, a guy who has left two college football, excuse me, two college basketball programs. Hell, he might have left a college football program in shambles. A guy like John Calipari is actually coming up with some pretty decent ideas. Quote, we need to work with the NBA Players Association who oversees the agents and figure out what do they think the solution is. These kids deserve advisors as they're as they're going to go through this process. But the way it's done right now, it's an issue. There's a lot of things, and I think at the end of the day, things will begin to change. The problem with the NCAA is it's slow-moving. This one doesn't need to be slow-moving. It's going to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect for every program, and this is true. Because the lower-tier D1 schools, the D2 schools, the D3 schools, y'all aren't going to make as much money. You're not going to get as much out of it. There's a lot of non-revenue programs, and yes, a lot of women's programs save for like, Connecticut and Tennessee women's basketball they're not making a ton of money and yes it's going to lead to inequalities but to have potentially a program lose a national championship because a kid got twenty dollars to go eat lunch because they don't have jobs no this is not a job paying somebody an education does not put food on the table yes they'll get free stuff yes they get stuff under the table but there's still things they have to do Free education, my ass. When I was at Michigan State University, I was in a communications class that had four basketball players and three football players in it. You want to know how many of those dudes actually showed up more than two times? One of them. All the rest only showed up for the orientation and they showed up for the final. And magically, they didn't seem to have issues with their grades. I'm just saying. You think I'm going to sit here and fall for this this, this bull crap? that these schools don't need to pay these players, they created this entire situation. They created the entire damn thing. Michigan State University has brought a fair amount of this shit that they're dealing with on themselves with the whole Nasser thing and a lot of the stuff that has been going on getting uncovered by ESPN. They've, they've put themselves in this position for a lot of it. But the one thing I will defend against is this idea that this program is just magically dirty? No, this program is basically operating by the system. Every program is dirty. It's just a pretty much is a varying level of how much shit is on your shoes. And LeBron James was right. It, it's about time this this shit is like it's like blue chips, as he as he said during the interview he gave that went up on ESPN. Something's got to be done about this. When John Calipari is out here actually dropping real knowledge on everyone. Like this here, quote, it's their names and likenesses. It's not ours, it's theirs. They should be able to make money off their name. Maybe the school manages it. Maybe the money goes to their parents for travel. Maybe there's a limit on what they can do. And the rest they get when they leave here. It's all stuff that can be done easily. That's what needs to be done. If you're one of these old heads, or you're one of these bitter bastards who wasn't good enough to play a sport who thinks that athletes have it too nice and they should suffer, grow up. If you think the media is out to get Michigan State, grow up. We live in the real world here, people. We live in the real world. Ain't nobody clean, B. It's just a matter of how dirty you're willing to get to win. And honestly, at this rate, I would much rather see these players get their money, get paid, and you fix the damn NCAA. That's the problem. These agents, these cockroaches running around here trying to slide ten dollars and $20,000 under the table to some player, they wouldn't be there if the NCAA basically, you know, grew with the times. They changed with the times. They're still trying to do a 1930s model in 2018. Get with the program, and maybe you can fix a lot of yours. My name is Jay Scott Smith. Coming up after the break, speaking of fixing up programs and fixing up organizations, that brings us to the Dallas Mavericks. And boy, oh boy, are they trying to basically use a very tired trope to navigate their way out of very choppy waters. This is the 68th episode, episode 68 of The People's Podcast. And this is JSC Radio. We'll be back after this. Kids getting paid is not. It's Nothing new on your side. I mean, we all. You guys seen Blue Chips? Yeah. It's a real movie. It's a real movie, seriously. It's a real movie. NCA is. is it's cool. really cool. I'm sorry. It's going to make headlines, but
1: it's cool. Check it out. This
0: is JSC Radio.
1: People are always looking to invest in a good opportunity. So what if you could invest in the future of kids, like a stock? Not the kind of stock that's about making money, but a stock for social change called Better Futures. With your investment, it helps students like me go to college. My name is Charles, and I'm your dividend. Invest in better futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council.
0: Hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS android as well as nook and kendall fire you can take jsc radio anywhere the app is free you can listen anytime anywhere now if you're wondering what stitcher is stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows plus discover 40,000 news entertainment and sports shows such as jsc radio you can create a custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over four million card dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. If you don't have the Stitcher app? Simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio, be sure to check it out. This is JSC Radio.
1: The Dallas Mavericks, yikes. That Sports Illustrated expose really showed that they have a culture of sexual harassment and a hostile work environment. And the thing as a lawyer that really caught my attention is Eric Schneed, their beat reporter. Well, now former, since they just let him go since we all found out how dirty that place was. But essentially, Smead had assaulted a woman in the past in a domestic violence incident, and then he dated a coworker and assaulted her as well. The Mavericks didn't fire him, they just had him sign a contract saying that he wouldn't fraternize with any of his female colleagues moving forward. Ugh. How crazy is that? The lowdown, do not be dumb. It's a problem when you have somebody in the workplace who is a threat to the safety, and also just the feeling of security and comfort of the individuals who work there. In the future and moving forward, it seems that Mark Cuban, the owner of the Mavericks, that he is hiring an independent law firm to come in and to shake things up and to find out what else he says he didn't know was going on. And the NBA they created a hotline, but you know, it does say that if you've maintained this culture for as long as you have, you probably have bigger issues that just an independent outside law firm and a hotline are going to fix. Bottom line, you know, companies need to realize that you need to take out the trash before it takes you out.
0: This is the 68th episode of The People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. That's a voice familiar to those of you who know this show well. That's Miss Adrian Lawrence. You last heard from her in episode 20 way the hell back in 2016. That's from her new YouTube series, which she's basically calling The Law Lowdown, where she will take a lawyer's look at some of the major issues happening in sports, business, and politics. It's on her new YouTube page, so go look for Adrian Lawrence on YouTube. Subscribe to that now, because trust me, that is going to be huge. Big ups also, of course, to my man, Doc Illingsworth, whose music you hear underneath me right now. Doc Illingsworth. Follow him at Illingsworth on Twitter, I-L-L-I-N-G-S-W-O-R-T-H. Illingsworth, on the Twitter machine. Shout out to my man, Awesome Jones, who also contributes music to this show. Big ups to my man, Rufio Jones out here acting like a damn fool on Twitter. You can follow him at Rufio Jones, R-U-F-I-O-J-O-N-E-S. Big up to all my people back in the Motor City. Shout out to my people here in Philadelphia. Everybody I know out in Jersey, down in DC, out in New York City. All of y'all, thank you. Damn it. Thank you for your support of this show. Before I get off into what we're going to talk about mostly here in the second half, which Adrian kind of gave us a nice little run-up on that, but I got to get a quick word in here before we get into that on one simple thing. Why the hell is the Big Ten playing the conference championship in New York City? Why is the Big Ten tournament at Madison Square Garden? Why? Why? I, I have not understood Jim Delaney, who's the head of the Big Ten, I have not understood his fascination, his obsession, if you will, with the East Coast. Because that's the reason that Maryland is in the Big Ten and not in the ACC where they belong. That's why Rutgers, friggin' Rutgers, is in the Big Ten. Rutgers, who serves no purpose to this conference. Apparently, this idea of putting the Big Ten tournament in Madison Square Garden, to which Delaney said, quote, well, give fan, give our fans in New York a chance to see the Big Ten and the Big Apple. Uh, let, me, let me help you out here, Jimmy. Ain't no Big Ten fans in New York, B. Ain't none. Even the people like us who went to Big Ten schools. I went to Michigan State. There's a lot of people from U of M in New York City. There's a pretty good contingent of Spartans in Washington, D.C. and here in Philadelphia. There's a decent number of them up in Boston. The reason why nobody gives a damn about the Big Ten on the East Coast is because the Big Ten is not an East Coast conference. The Big East is an East Coast conference. The ACC is an East Coast conference. The Big Ten is Midwest and maybe a little bit of the Mid-South. That's what the Big Ten is. To hold the Big Ten tournament in New York City, they had to condense the Big Ten schedule, meaning teams like Michigan State and Michigan, and Michigan State and OSU, and Michigan State and Purdue, only played each other once this year. And often had instances where these teams are playing five games in like seven to ten days. Kind of like an NBA schedule. So what I was just talking about in the previous segment, this whole, it's about the education. They're getting paid in education. They're student athletes. They're getting paid in education. Bullshit. That's an NBA schedule. And they should be treated as such but the Big Ten decided to do this, to change up their entire damn schedule, to have conference games being played as early as mid-December, so they can basically go on this masturbatory lark into Madison Square Garden for Jim Delaney and a whole bunch of money. Let me make it expressively clear to you. The Big Ten Championship and the Big Ten Tournaments should not be played in New York. They should not be played in DC. They should not be played over at the Wells Fargo Center here in Philadelphia, which is another idea they've been throwing around is playing the damn thing in Philly because, you know, this is such a Big Ten hotbed. Let me explain something to you. There's a Big Ten University about 250 miles to the east of here. Pennsylvania is a very, to the west, excuse me. Pennsylvania is a very large damn state. It's huge. You can drive four hours in this state and not be close to getting the hell out of it. But Penn State ain't that far, relatively speaking, from here. People in Philadelphia do not give a damn about Penn State. There are not a bunch of Big Ten fans lurking here in Philadelphia, waiting and clamoring for that tournament. That's not our city. Wells Fargo is hosting like the Atlantic Ten Tournament. Wells Fargo is hosting anything but the damn Big Ten Tournament. The Big Ten Tournament needs to be held in one of four places. Listen up. Chicago, hold it at the United Center. Indianapolis, you hold it at the Conseco Fieldhouse Market Square, whatever the hell they're calling that arena in Indianapolis, you hold it there. That's where you hold the Big Ten Football Championship. It's perfectly fine just having it all in Indianapolis. You could have it in Detroit, at the Little Caesars Arena, you might finally have something that can sell that damn building out or you could either host it in a combination of either Cleveland, St. Louis, Milwaukee or Minneapolis. But keep the damn thing off the East Coast. This conference really did reconfigure its whole history, its whole steeze to lure Rutgers to come to the Big Ten. Did someone at Rutgers somehow convince Jim Delaney that if he brought Rutgers into the conference, that magically everybody in New York City would just come clamoring to see some Iowa versus Northwestern basketball? Rutgers is the Barry Horowitz of the Big Ten. Rutgers is like the Mulkey brothers. Rutgers is the James Ellsworth of the Big Ten. That's that's why. So we could get about 10 or 15 people from the third most popular school in New Jersey to give a shit about the Big Ten. They're not even the second biggest basketball program in New Jersey. Seton Hall is number one, and you could arguably say Princeton is number two. And in a given year, Monmouth is better. But that's okay. We got Rutgers, so now we got New York City. No, you don't. They don't give a shit. They're waiting until next week when the real tournament shows up, the Big East. That's when they give a damn. Focus on the Midwest, fellas. Come on now. Get it together. I had to get that out of my system. It had been bothering me. Because the Big Ten being in New York City, yes, why don't we just have the SEC tournament in Los Angeles? Since we're really just going to be throwing conferences all over the damn country. Let's have the Pac-10 host theirs in Chicago just for shits and giggles. What the hell's wrong with you, Jim Delaney? get it off the East Coast, keep it off the East Coast, and while you're at it, send Maryland back to the ACC where they're a lot more comfortable, and send Rutgers back to the NI, NAIA or wherever the hell you found that, t- that, that school because they serve us no purpose either. But enough of the silliness here. I I gotta get serious again. At the beginning of this segment, you heard Adrian Lawrence talking about the Dallas Mavericks. And the Mavericks, Um, yeah, they've become the latest example of the corrosive office culture. We hear a lot about locker room culture, but it's office culture. That's what really helps create a lot of these situations where women and men are subjected to harassment, bullying, sexual harassment, and even in some cases, sexual assault. It's office culture. You say a lot about locker room culture and all that other, yeah, and that's a thing, but office culture is far more dangerous and far more divisive Than any sort of locker room you can think of. Sports Illustrated did this really great investigative piece that really just spurred from a few emails and a few phone calls pushing them in the right direction. And it basically lifted up the the veil of this underbelly that was happening with the Mavericks. It all centers around their now former CEO, Terdema Ussery, a guy who was so well regarded around the league that at, there was a time before Adam Silver came around that there was a time that Usery was being tossed around as a potential replacement for David Stern as the NBA commissioner. That's how well, highly thought of he was. Then there's this. Just this is the open of the SI piece. It was an hour, before, it was an hour or so before tip off. The Dallas Mavericks were hosting a nationally televised game during the 2011 NBA season. The season they would go on to win the NBA title, by the way. Deep inside the American Airlines Center, a recently hired Maverick support staff employee was eating dinner in the media room. And as the woman sat down, the team president and CEO, Turdema, Ter-Dem- i want to make sure I get that name right, Turdema Usery asked if he could join her. Now she grew nervous, and it was not because Usery was her boss's boss, nor was it because he was one of the most prominent sports figures in Dallas. It was because his reputation as a serial sexual harasser of women had preceded him. Think about this. You're a woman who just works a part of support staff. And I've covered NBA games and NFL games and Major League Baseball games, I've seen these people. They're pretty innocuous, random, just cats who are around the arena, either cleaning up stuff or they're taking time to help with parking, just doing different things. And all she's trying to do is sit down, grab some grub before the game, before things really get busy. But she knew that the team CEO was a creep show. How crazy is that? That someone that low on the organizational totem pole knows how much of a creepazoid this guy was. And she found out how much of a creep show he was. At this meal, with ESPN crew members seated nearby, Ushery struck up an unusual conversation. As the woman recalls the exchange, Ushery claimed he knew what she was going to be doing over the coming weekend. When the woman asked, confusedly, what he meant, he smiled. Quote, you're going to get gang banged, aren't you? Imagine this, the CEO of a major sports organization, one that at that point was about a couple months away from winning the NBA championship, strolls up to some woman who's just working as support staff in the arena, probably not getting paid a ton, just trying to mind her own damn business, and this cat walks up to her and thinks she's going to get gang banged over the weekend. The woman replied, no, actually I'm just going to the movie with friends, Lussery insisted, nah, you're gonna be getting gangbanged. The employee was startled, but not entirely surprised when she first accepted her job with the Mavericks in 2010. She'd shared the news with her local Dallas women's running group. Instead of congratulations, she recalled receiving warnings, watch out for the president. Whatever you do, don't get trapped in an elevator with the president. The woman recounted the dining room exchange to female colleagues with the Mavs. They were they too or something other than shock. One shared that Ussery had repeatedly propositioned her for sex, even offering to leave his marriage if the woman relented, an account the second woman confirmed to SI. Another woman shared that Ussery's inappropriate behavior was one of the reasons she was quitting her sales job after more than a decade. This is the type of shit that goes on everywhere. Just like I said earlier, so many college basketball programs have some form of dirt on them, some form of underhanded shit, some sort of under-the-table thing which has money getting funneled to players somehow, some way. All of them do it. There's every corporation you can think of, whether it's a sports franchise or it's a restaurant franchise or it's a Fortune 500 company that, that does technology. Every office, or the hell, a radio station or TV station. They've all got it. Something like this is happening everywhere. Sometimes it's women being tormented and bullied by a supervisor. Sometimes it's, it's employees, male or females, being harassed. Sometimes it's an employee speaking up against something that happens in the workplace and getting punished for it down the line. But this sort of thing happens everywhere. In the case of the Mavericks, it was... Essentially, a concerted effort between Ussery, who simply used his position of power within the organization and within the league to basically do whatever the hell it was he wanted to do, and then having enough underlings and yes-men underneath him willing to basically go along to get along. And one of the people who was there basically – I mean, they called it, quote, a real-life animal house. That's a former organization employee who said this after having been with the team for almost five years. Ussery, who left the Mavericks, he left the Mavs in 2015, was hardly alone. Interviews with more than a dozen current and former Mavericks employees in different departments conducted during the months long investigation painted a picture of a corporate culture rife with misogyny and predatory sexual behavior. Everything from alleged public fondling by the team president, outright domestic assault by a high profile now former member of the mavs.com staff. That would be Earl Sneed, the one that was referenced by Adrian earlier unsupportive or even intimidating responses from superiors who heard complaints of inappropriate behavior from their employees Mm. and even an employee who openly watched pornography at his desk jesus christ here's the fun part while sources refer to the mavericks office as a locker room culture the team's actual locker room was a refuge One female former senior staffer, quote, I dealt with the players all the time. I had hundreds of interactions with players and never once had an issue. They always knew how to treat people. Then I'd go to the office and it was a zoo, a complete shit show. My anxiety would go down dealing with players. It would go up when I got to my desk. What in the world is this? And Mark Cuban has to answer for this. He does. A half dozen women who worked for the Mavericks or American Airlines Center, contacted Sports Illustrated, and they left the sports sector because of a work environment and structure they felt left them vulnerable and devalued while protecting and continuing to employ powerful men who misbehaved. Quote, there was a built-in protection for a lot of men, says a former male department head. The lack of oversight and compassion within all levels of the business was alarming. This is, again, not exclusive to the Mavericks, but they're the biggest instance of it now. And this sort of thing has gone on for years and continues to go on. Think of a place that you wouldn't imagine it happens. Guess what? It's happening in the media and we've seen it happen at CNN. We've seen it happen at Fox News, both sides of the political ledger. We've seen it happen at NPR. It's happened everywhere. And everything that goes on is often enabled. It's never just something as simple as, oh, this got under my nose. Oh, how did this happen? We don't understand how this happened. We know exactly how it happened. We know exactly how this happened. It happens simply because the organizations have a culture that allow it to go on. And all it does is simply cause problems down the line. And it opens you up to questions that you didn't want to have asked about you. I mean... Here's the thing, these organizations like the Mavericks also, when they finally do get around to doing something about it, quite often the investigation is just a sham. It's just something they say to claim they did something. They'll put it in writing, put it on paper, and in some cases, they'll blame the person who brought the complaint. It's not a big deal. Claim some issue with their job performance and the burial begins. Seen that time and time again. People who complain about the sexual harassment at Fox News being booted off the air. People who complain about sexual harassment at other companies being fired or suddenly their job titles being slashed, their responsibilities being taken away from them, opportunities suddenly disappearing. This is a culture that goes all over the place like Adrian was talking about earlier. It's all over the place and it's allowed to happen. It allows for some weird attempt at plausible deniability by people who should know better. And yes, it's Mark Cuban. I look directly at him. It's it, it, You're the owner of this team. You're the public front face of this team. More so than Dirk Nowitzki, it's you you're the front face of this organization. You claim to be have a finger or a hand in every single part of this damn organization. Yet you cannot get on TV or get in some interview and say you didn't know this was happening. I refuse to let you let anybody get away with saying they didn't know. When discussing the office culture to SI, former Mavericks employees, male and female, cited the team's HR office as part of the problem. The gentleman who was running their HR has been known to take strong positions on social and political issues such as abortion and immigration, sending charged email messages to select staffers and friends that leave little doubt where he stands. Ugh, this guy was garbage. But here's the problem. He was garbage not just simply for his political beliefs. He's also garbage because he allowed this to go on as the director of HR. Quote, instead of making formal complaints to HR, at least two women began taking contemporaneous notes of their unpleasant exchanges with Ussery and other male colleagues. Please understand that this is a type of thing that happens in a lot of companies because quite often the HR office is there to serve the company and not the employee. August, September 2007, terdemis stops me near where the main door is and says to me, seriously, just one time. We don't even want to know what that one time is he's asking about. January 18th, 2008. Didemma asked me if in another life would I marry him? I respond, if it was another life, I would be a millionaire and own this team and he couldn't handle working for me. Nice response. August 12, 2013, one woman recorded that she repl- she complained to her boss, Paul Monroe, then the Mavericks VP of marketing, about a culture unfriendly to women, citing Ussery's behavior specifically. According to her notes, Monroe said he would he drive her to a meeting, and once they were settled in his car, Monroe threatened to fire her if she didn't just shut up and do her job. Telling her to just take the abuse from Ussery, adding the quote, he's the boss, wrote the woman, I felt threatened not only for my safety, but he was threatening my position within the company. This is, this is pretty wild. And we mentioned, and Adrian brought it up too, Earl Sneed. Earl Sneed, who went from graduating from the University of Oklahoma with a journalism degree. Yeah, he's one of ours, unfortunately. He's one of these reporters just like me. He was eager to work in the NBA that he basically cold-called Mark Cuban and asked if he could have a spot. And he eventually worked his way up. He was able to get a job freelancing, eventually became their first ever full-time beat reporter, during that 2011 championship season. Midway through that season, Sneed was involved in a domestic dispute with a girlfriend. According to a Dallas police report, Sneed sat on top of her and slapped her on the face and chest. At one point, he told the woman, I'm going to kick your ass. Today is going to be the worst day of your life. Sneed fled before the reporting officer arrived. The woman, according to the report, suffered a broken right wrist and bruises on her arms and chest in the altercation. Two months later, Snead was arrested at the Mavericks facility and charged with an assault, a Class A misdemeanor. On June 28, 2012, he pled guilty to misdemeanor charges of family violence, assault, and interference with an emergency request. He was sentenced to a $750 fine, supervised community service, and enrollment in an anger management program. Upon completion of this sentence, the charges were dismissed. Sneed's legal troubles had a measurable impact on his job. Now, according to the Mavericks, his assault record prevented him from gaining admission to Canada, meaning he would not be able to accompany the team when they went to Toronto to play the Raptors. You think that might be an issue? When I've applied for jobs and it says you have to have access to a car, if this is a job that involves international travel, you have to be able to leave the goddamn country. If you cannot leave the goddamn country, how do you keep the job for sake this didn't end his employment with the team it also didn't end his acts of domestic violence after his plea sneed dated a maverick's colleague a relationship the two made public in keeping with the team's fraternization policies multiple sources tell si that in 2014 the couple had a dispute that turned violent and sneed turned and hit the woman her face swollen she went to work but within days reported the incident to her immediate supervisor and to the HR guy. The woman recalls the HR guy's last name was Pittman being professional and supportive, but she also recalls Pittman informing her of Sneed's prior arrest. In retrospect, she wonders how the hell Sneed could have stayed employed. He shouldn't have a job there. Sneed was with this team up until two weeks ago. He was the host of the Mavs Insider, a weekly television show until August of 2017. What the hell? I've been in organizations that have that that have looked the other way on so many things yet punished those who spoke out. And in 2018, really the tail end of 2017 into 2018, it's, it's time for that bullshit to stop. This has no place anywhere. Nowhere. Whether it's media, whether it's sports, whether it's business, whether it's anything, entertainment, it has no place. To willfully let this go on for years and years and years and years and years, to willfully let this go on is mind-blowing to me. That people know it, and rather than doing something about it, because apparently, as we've learned, if you try to do something about it, it might lead to you getting threatened, buried, or fired. I'm not sure what to make of it. The Mavericks came out with a statement following the article's release, including talking about the aforementioned Snead. Quote, The Dallas Mavericks have received information about behavior in our workplace that appears to have violated the organization's standards of conduct. It has been alleged that a former officer of the organization, Usery, engaged in various acts of inappropriate conduct toward women over a period of years. This individual has left the employment of the Mavericks nearly three years ago, and the Mavericks have only learned of the scope of these complaints in the past few days. In a separate matter, we have also learned that an employee misled the organization about a prior domestic violence incident. This employee was not candid about the situation and has since been terminated. There's no such room in the Mavericks workplace or any other workplace, blah, 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 wanking motion. Okay, look, if you want me to understand that Ussery was able to get away with it because the system basically covered for him along the way, okay, fine. Plus, he left a long time ago. Not really much you can do other than simply make sure that guys like Ussery don't get to continue to eat. Sneed is a different story. You can't tell me you didn't know what the happened. You're a major corporation. If major corporations can dig through and find your credit history, I'm sure they can go dig up your criminal record. If major organizations can simply take a couple of looks onto a Twitter feed, I'm sure you can take a look into someone's criminal record. The bitch beat up a woman who worked for you and he kept his job. I've seen guys get fired for far less. I've been fired for far less. So now the Mavericks are in full damage control mode. Mark Cuban, to somewhat of his credit, is at least somewhat owned that he allowed this to go on under his nose. Still insisting he had no idea. I call BS. But insisting that he had no idea but he's going to change things. And one of the things he did, the other day he decided he was gonna hire a new interim CEO. A woman by the name of Cynthia Marshall. Now, she used to work for AT&T, and here's some of those wonderful buzzwords that she has helped spearhead a new a new era of inclusion and diversity in the company. Now, inclusion and diversity have different meanings to different people. For me, I've always had the uh, i I've, I've always had to think of and inclusion and diversity. To me, is more than just putting a few brown faces out there for the public. And parading them across the stage and taking photos and all that it's actually changing the internal culture and changing how things work i can't speak to what this woman has done but this is part of what she said during her introductory presser down in dallas the other day
1: and it's not just a challenge with the dallas uh, mavericks i think it's a challenge in corporate america it's a challenge in the world period to make sure that it's not just about the mix and what people look like, but to make sure they have a sense of belonging at work. Um, and so I think what you will see is a shift in general with people focused more on inclusion. And I am determined, Marcus determined, that the Dallas Mavericks will be the standard. Uh, we're laying out a vision that says by 2019, the Dallas Mavericks will be the standard. We will be leading the way in inclusion and diversity. So look,
0: I'm going to at least give kind of the benefit of the doubt here that maybe they'll try to do something. I cannot be that cynical to just assume that the Mavericks are simply going to just parade this woman out there in front of the world while they have no intention of doing it. But too many other companies have done this sort of thing. So it's always going to give me pause. It's always going to make me wonder if this is how it's going to go because Again, the culture is flawed in so many of these businesses. It just so happens to be the Mavericks are the ones whose face is on the Summer Jam screen right now. Who's to assume that the Rockets or the Trailblazers or the Thunder or the Pistons or the Bulls or the Hawks or the Timberwolves or either of the LA teams or the Knicks or the Nets or or the Celtics or any of these other teams don't have the exact same thing going on in their front office and around their buildings. The Mavericks are out here basically being served up to the world but we don't know what other franchise this can be in any sport has this sort of crap going on because let's just keep it real and let's just be honest the mavericks are trying to get out of this hole as soon as possible And for a cynical bastard like myself, that means going the tried and true route of basically somewhat falling on your sword, yet denying everything, and then parading a middle-aged black woman in a pantsuit out onto the stage to basically say, hey, I'm here to change things and make us more diverse. And throw around words like diversity and inclusion and tolerance. Are we gonna do the right thing here? Or are we gonna have another instance of another organization or this one doing it again that's out here treating its women like garbage and treating its employees as if they have to fear standing up for themselves. These organizations need to do better and it's not just an issue with sports, it's across the board. My name is Jay Scott Smith, telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered and we are out of here next week episode 69 pause my boy episode 69 and we're gonna be talking about black panther the long-awaited black panther review right here on jsc radio i'll get at you next week goodbye everybody (laughs) check Check it it out this is jsc radio
1: I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded.
0: I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online. For like a year, she couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house,
1: stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head.
0: She killed herself.
1: And later, killed the owner of the store he
0: was trying to rob.